We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel, he's still digesting his team's loss. And while he showed respect to Baltimore in some clips that he said recently, he also said that, quote, everyone knows that San Francisco is still the best team in the NFL. Meanwhile, after last week, you know we had to get Mike Florio's prediction ahead of Dolphins Ravens. His co-host Chris Sims told him he was too chicken to pick Miami. So who do you select in the end? We've got that coming up. I'm Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It is Friday, December 29th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault, presented by our friends at GEHA. So Sarah Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald spoke about his viral Hulk moment, as we kind of joked in various episodes, when his defense created its fifth turnover Monday night in San Francisco. We'll also run through Thursday's injury report and give you the latest on Kyle Hamilton and what he had to say about his banged up knee. And finally, Marquise Brown, he's still out there and he finally revealed everything he was thinking behind his now infamous soldier tweet. And he even revealed that Lamar Jackson approved his tweet before he pressed send. How is this still a thing? We have all that and more coming up. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. Debo Samuel has been all over the place. I'm not sure if you saw the drama being stirred up on Twitter with him and Cam Newton. He's talked about Lamar. He's been going on Kay Adams' show recently, as are you, coming up later today. (laughs) That'll be exciting. 11.30, you said? 11. 11 a.m. So depending on when you're listening to this, be on the lookout for that late morning appearance, the second in as many weeks or something like that. So. Pretty cool as we continue our national run here on the vault. But uh, you were the one that found the Debo content. So what do you have? Yeah. So, yeah, he was up on up and Adams and they were just kind of digesting the um, loss against the Ravens on Christmas Day. And um, listen, let's not for like I want to put this in context first. Remember, last week he was on up and Adams. He gave tremendous respect to Lamar even going into the game. Um, and still after the game, he was like given a layup to talk about how he t- absorbed that hit by Marlon Humphrey and Debo was like, you know, he's like, I am pretty proud of it. You know, he's like, but if he had wrapped up, he would have, he would have brought me down. He's like, I didn't see it coming. It was good play by him. 
He talks about how he's good friends with OBJ, that they've re- they've worked out together and they still talk frequently. So I don't get the feeling he has like bad vibes, but is he still coping a little bit? Is he coming up with some coping narratives? I think so. Here we go. Like I feel like nobody wants to see us win and you know, they all quick to point fingers when things don't go the way they're supposed to go. And, you know, everybody thinks that and know that, like, we're still the best team in the league. Um, it's just crazy how how much they try to, you know, harness or bring him down. I mean, the guy still threw for 255. It's just like, it's it's the NFL. Like, it's going to happen. And you can't you can't control how, you know, um, how tip balls find 25, 30 feet in the air and just giving guys opportunity to catch them. Yeah, and some of that's exactly right. When I was watching it, and it was Christmas, and everyone's having you know fun, and you guys are having to work, and it's like high, you know, high pressure, high whatever for Brock Purdy, and everyone's just waiting for him to fall. I mean, that was just some of that was just terrible luck. Yeah, I mean, we had tip passes in there. Uh, we had like five tip balls like the game before, and didn't get you know didn't get too many, and we had a couple tips this past game, and just wasn't falling our way, but. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, um, Baltimore is an outstanding team. You know, they came to play and, mm-hmm. you know, um, we gave the people whatever they want. We gave the people what they wanted to see. But, um, you know, we didn't come out on top. But we just got to continue to move forward and hopefully see them again. So, Bobby, I've seen all week long lots of funny tweets from, from, from 49ers fans, right, where they're kind of coming up with different narratives to be like, to kind of explain what just happened to them. I just haven't paid much attention to it because it's more, you know, fan fodder. And, you know, some of the stuff I've heard is like, oh, well, we didn't show all of our cards because we knew we'd see them in the Super Bowl. And so, you know, that's, you know, it was just stuff that it's like, yeah, right. Of course they wanted to win that game. Um, but this is definitely one of them that that Debo is is hitting on. I think, um, like I said, I like he's, he said there, he has, it, Ravens are an outstanding team, but. I think they're banking a little bit too much on the luck factor. And, you know, there is some truth. There's some truth when you tip a ball, right? You don't know which way it's going to go. So in that sense, maybe, maybe one of the interceptions you could say was unlucky for them, but oh my God, like I went back and reviewed the, the picks just to make sure. Like, first of all, two of them by Brock Purdy was just bad quarterbacking on his part one one of one of them by the way that was tipped it was it happened because he made an ill-advised throw across back in the middle so it's like he shouldn't have made that throw in the first place so i don't give that all luck that's like that was a bad throw then the one to to hamilton the first one that was that was bad on his part he was late hamilton also baited him into it uh there was another just a terrible terrible throw i mean so i i definitely think that they're leaning a little bit too much into the oh there's terrible luck um plus it's just like i don't care what you say even if let's say two of those five picks was luck the ravens defense and mike mcdonald just dominated they were in brock purdy's head he put brock purdy through hell with all the different looks that he showed pre-snap versus after snap he brought pressure it was all that so no there if there was even a little bit of luck maybe but i mean that was just absolute and utter domination and again i don't think debo has harsh feelings, anything like that. I think, Bobby, he's just coping. Yeah, I think so, too. Like, I can appreciate when you're dogs like they are, and they are. Yeah. Like, they're, they're a bunch of dogs over there, and they could very well come out of the NFC. They could very well wrap up the number one seed, and they could very well dance all the way to Vegas in February. Mm-hmm. But they got smacked on Monday night. There's no way around that. And 
and it's 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 funny like you're right mike this was more about mike mcdonald and okay the timely blitz from brandon stevens that led to the tipped mm. pass like that wasn't just a fluke that was and that was execution that was that was execution by mike mcdonald re-blitzing on the other side who can catch you know what i yes. mean it was a double cornerback blitz yep that was a mm -hmm. that's to me that's well studied that's a well studied game plan that was execution by mike from an intuition standpoint and then obviously well there was multiple levels of intuition mike on the the coaching side of things strategizing brandon on the physical side of things actually making that tip happen right. foreseeing it and and then obviously kyle hamilton being there so yeah i think you gotta if, if you're debo clearly he's still <laughs> coping but yeah. you can still i i do like the inner dog in him in saying hey we're still the team to beat we're still the nfl's best because you have to believe that yes i can i can definitely appreciate that where you don't lose belief in yourself you can't you absolutely can't so i appreciate that inner dog also that being said to me, the way, if I were a player, the way I would say that, it would be like, hey, we haven't lost faith in ourselves. We still believe that we could still be the number one team. We still believe that we're that team. And we hope that we get that chance to prove it in the Super Bowl. But yes. until then, we got to worry about whoever they have up next on their schedule. To yes. me, that's the way to phrase it. Instead of saying, everybody knows, everybody thinks. And then it wasn't just that. Everybody thinks well, knows that we're still the best team. So yes. like on one end, I agree with you. You have to still believe that. So I have no hate towards that, but I thought the phrasing could have been better. I thought George Kittle put it best. He accepted all of these things. He said a lot of the things in terms of what, what they can be after this, what they are still, but they said, hey, we got our you-know-what's handed to us. We understand that, but we're going to sit here and dwell on a short week? No, you're going to turn the page and move on. But, the, but bottom line is, I don't think Debo did enough of this, George tipped his cap to the right. opponent. Right. And not, and not to say that Debo had any, like you said, Debo doesn't have any issue with the Ravens. He gave Lamar all kinds of love leading mm. up, blah, blah, blah. We covered all that. Yeah. But in that moment, he could have given, he could have held himself and the team more accountable than more he More accountable. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So speaking of accountability, <laughs> we're going to move forward to Mike Florio. Everybody wants me to call him Mike Flores. I, I feel like it was fun for a couple of days, like, I guess I just don't want to continue to bury him, but but maybe we should because, Bobby, of course, I wanted to go back, and I was like, we have to see. Like, right? We have to see what his pick was this week and his wording behind it. And so it was hilarious because when they got to their pick section, they didn't even lead with the Ravens, and, and Chris Sims gave the producers crap for it, being like, what are we doing here? How do we not lead with this and, and whatnot? And so – we're getting to Florio's prediction, but he, Bobby, he had to give one more excuse, one more excuse, and blaming other people for his Oof. poor words, which just cracked me up. So here it is. I wonder how much of that John Harbaugh actually played to the Ravens. I wonder if he played the whole thing or just the little snippet that supports this notion that I specifically targeted the Ravens for disrespect. The idea was the 49ers are so much better than everybody. This is what they will do to anybody. The Ravens just happen to be the next one on the docket. That was the point. <laughs> they live in rent free, man. Rent free. He went for the, you got me out of context. No, he didn't. That didn't make it any better just because it was about the 49ers and not the Ravens. It was still like, you're not showing the Ravens any respect that they could do. Like, did John Harbaugh play the full clip? 
that really I was just trying to give respect to the 49ers. It wasn't about the Ravens. No, bro. No, no, that, that doesn't make it any better. So anyway, I, I thought that was hilarious. So anyway, moving into his prediction for this week, week 17 now. Oh my gosh, Chris Sims was trying to get, it was hilarious. He's pulling out the wings, chicken, all of it. Here we go. He's he's just baiting and trying to bait him. I mean, you, you're Fergie from, from the town this week. You got your kahunas blown off. <laughs> oh, it was a great week. Yes, I know. I'm well aware. Yes, it was a great week. Yeah, I know. Have fun next year week. when Ahmed is picking the games with you instead of me. Get ready. I'm retiring from picking games. I'm telling you now. This is the last year. Oh, I'm shut it. Games. Shut think it. I'm kidding. I am not. I am done. I am done. All right, let's get to it. Oh, you you won't pick the Dolphins this week, you chicken. I bet you you don't. Bonk, 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 bonk. I bet you you don't. Bonky, 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 bonky. <laughs> All, right. All right, let's go. Right, look, the Dolphins think just because they beat the Cowboys on Sunday, they've cured this notion that they can't beat good teams. Well, one of the narratives was going to end on Christmas Eve. Cowboys can't beat good teams on the road. Dolphins can't beat good teams anywhere. Something had to give. And the one that gave, obviously, was the idea that the Dolphins can't beat good teams. This is the best team in football right now. This is one versus two for the second straight week. And I, maybe I made Dolphins number two over the 49ers just to make it one versus two again. I, I, maybe I was influenced by that. I don't know. But I think there's a gap between the Ravens and the Dolphins. There's a toughness there. AFC North football. When you look at the 49ers, three of their four losses against the Browns, yeah. the Bengals, and the Ravens this year, and what the Browns did battered them, bruised them, injured them, not intentionally, but it left them worn out and yeah. set the stage for a three-game losing streak. So AFC North football is real. It's, it's the new black and blue division, and I just don't think the Dolphins can handle that. I believe in the Ravens. I'm never picking against the Ravens ever again for as long as I live or as long as I do picks. 28-24, Ravens beat the Dolphins. <laughs> that last part was good right there. <laughs> I'm never picking against the Ravens ever. <laughs> that boy learned this week. You got baltimore this week. He learned. He got, he got Baltimore, and Chris Sims was just all over him, all over him. And I didn't play it, but after he's like, I knew you were too chicken. I knew you were too chicken to do it. They bullied you into it. So, but, but I, I played some of his, his reasoning because my goodness, I think he's right. Like I was actually going to tweet this, but, um, I haven't gotten around to it, but like the 49ers have four losses this year, three of them are the AFC North teams. Yeah. I mean, it is. I, I just don't think people understand. It's a different division. And that's why um, Adam Schefter, a day or two ago, had tweeted out all the quarterback injuries that have happened to other teams w when playing the Ravens. And I, I, I'm not implying that he had an agenda, but I watched all the comments, and the comments were like, or a lot of the comments were like, dirty team, dirty team, dirty team. And so I had to like... Like, go back and watch the plays, A. And B, I just don't think people understand the brand of football, A, for AFC North, and B, for Baltimore. You just don't understand it until you experience it. It's the Mike Tyson quote, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth, and the 49ers got punched in the mouth. Well, it's like PQ said at the podium in San Francisco, too. Yeah. They play a brand that other teams aren't willing to do, aren't willing to commit to. And I, mm -hmm. I thought that was extremely telling in terms of what their philosophy is, not only at the linebacking position, but just 
team wide. And by the way, those players, just in case you're wondering, Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill, Tennessee, Deshaun Watson, Cleveland, Joe Burrow, Cincy, Trevor Lawrence, Jacksonville, Brock Purdy, San Francisco are the two, four, five players who've been banged up pretty good against the Ravens. And, uh, and some yeah. of them, by the way, were lingering injuries. Like Watson was already dealing with the shoulder. You know what I mean? And uh, Brock had already been dealing with a stinger. Brock you know. had been dealing with the stinger. And also with Burrow, while he, he wasn't injured, he wasn't. I know that there was the whole uh, sleeve. Like the NFL looked into it and they found that he really wasn't injured. He had a compression sleeve on. But like, but when you go and watch it, it was when there was just, he just got, he just, when he fell on it on a play before, he just, it, like when he was getting up, he felt it. It was like the way he like fell and hit his wrist. And then the next yeah. play, he threw it and he, he felt it. So, and, and, and by the way, um, Tannehill, he had, he had already injured that, that ankle before. Like he's yeah. already had. So, I mean, so yeah. it, it was like a narrative that I thought was like, this is the brand. It's clean, but it's tough. Yeah. Clean, but tough. There's no dirtiness whatsoever. And Trevor Lawrence's was a concussion. You know, it's like, I mean. Right, on 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 that, um, on the intentional grounding. And I mean, you're just going yeah. down, you you go back and you hit your head. I mean, it, it happens on almost every week. It happens every tackle. week. Yep. It happens every week. And and then he played the following week, if I'm not mistaken. So, much yep. like he did with the high ankle sprain going into the, going yeah, into the Ravens yeah, game. Exactly. Exactly. That was the second week back from a high ankle sprain. So, let's get to some press conference noise before we do, though. This episode is brought to you by our friends at GEHA, and for over 86 years, Government Employees Health Association has offered medical and dental benefits designed to meet the unique needs of federal employees and retirees, military retirees, and their families. And with over 2 million members and growing, GEHA continues to serve those members and families who serve all of us every day. Government Employees Health Association, your friend in federal since 1937. We know federal because we only provide benefits for federal. Federal Drive is presented by GEHA, proudly providing health and dental benefits to federal employees and their families for 86 years. You can visit GEHA.com to learn more. One of the best viral clips that came out of the Monday night win was definitely a usual tranquil, like chill, pretty composed Mike McDonald. And after his team's fifth interception, Sarah, he erupted on the sidelines and the ESPN cameras caught it. Unfortunately, we can't play the clip for you just because of YouTube's copyright violation laws. By the way, a ton of people have reached out. and I don't really know where else to put it because not many P Facebook people use Twitter, but my Facebook's been deactivated. So sorry, I haven't addressed oh. this yet. It's been like a week. Facebook has taken down my account. I have no access to it. And we're working on it in the background, just trying to get it, you know, appealing. I'm going through that whole process like I had to do with Twitter. I don't think I broke any laws, but I think it was a spam type thing. Unfortunately, that's where we're at right now. So I know a lot of people have been reaching out. Just wanted to address that quickly. But, but yeah, Sarah, the, the, the reaction was, was priceless. And then his reaction to the reaction was pretty good as well, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, so we, we can't play it, but we do have, you know, the screen grab just to remind everybody of him basically having a Hulk moment that I have never, ever seen that type of emotion come out of Mike McDonald before. I mean, he just is like, <laughs> he just like, a, like, you talk about a flip of the switch. We, we use that a lot, but holy moly, he just was like on fire, pounding his chest. So anyway, it was like a ticking to, time bomb of excitement, you know, yeah, like, exactly. I feel like well, it could have been like a season long type thing too. Cause he never does it, 
But now you're in San Francisco. It's Monday night football. It's Christmas night. Maybe you had some family there. Like I could just can't you just kind of feel that forum building and building throughout it like a what it's been three or four months of the season so far, you know? It was a, it was a volcano waiting to <laughs> erupt, is what it was. And so you cut from that and you get to his like normal Thursday. <laughs> press conferences and he's back to his old self and they're like hey tell us about this like volcano moment right this is huge yeah. and then here's here we're back to to regular mike oh man uh that was just a, it was a great moment for us to close the game out I and mean, at that point the game wasn't entirely over you know if they scored probably in an onside situation with timeout so you know you're you, you know you close the game out uh you know that magnitude and you know you're just juiced about the guys and the, and the performance that the guys put out there, and and then it just came out. There really is no proper way to describe it when when things happen in in those adrenaline filled moments, right? There's not, but you know, it was just it's just funny to juxtapose the two. So, also speaking to Mike during the uh, press conference, valid question to come up. He was asked about when Miami scored 28 points in the fourth quarter and had that that <sighs> comeback. Uh, and he, you know, he said to him, he's like, we haven't talked about last year. Like they haven't talked about it. And, yep. um, you know, and that's, and he went on a, he went on longer talking about how they do study themselves and it's like week to week, but it's just like so many things change year to year. Right. And they know, they know what happened. It was like in the beginning of the season, still some young guys still figuring out communication busts, all that kind of stuff. And so it's like, how do you dwell on that? You, you like say, look, we have to communicate better. Right. Which is what they've been saying this year. And. They've been showing that they're better in the fourth quarter, which, by the way, is one of the reasons why he had that Hulk kind of reaction is because, you know, he felt like the game's not over, and if we let him score, something big could happen. And so they did that against the 49ers. They held on. There was a, there was a couple other games this year. They had a lead, and they've they've been able to sustain it. And so, uh, yeah, they're just he's just like, no, we're not going back to last year. Todd Munkin on the other side of things was asked about Lamar's field vision. We know that he's just been absolutely sensational in the extension of plays, the, the creative freedom that he's had at the line of scrimmage. Obviously, his accuracy, the arm angles have been there all year long. Uh, but from Munkin's perspective, yeah, he is the true point guard. I do think that's a strength of his. I do think he sees the field very well. Um, you know, take, for instance... We'll, we'll talk about the scrambles first. You know, he does he does a, a tremendous job, and we've worked awfully hard with our scramble drills in terms of um, our spacing down the field, reacting to the quarterback. But even beyond that, I think he's he's able to um, communicate what he sees, and and you know what he anticipates. And then when he gets outside the pocket, does a great great job seeing things. But you know, the touchdown to Zay. You know, more times than not on that, we're trying to get the defense to move laterally, and we're thinking outside post rail to the back. I don't even know if we ever hit Zay one time, you know, on that part of it, but he saw the reaction of the safety and uh, made an unbelievable play, to be real honest. That's awesome insight. Off schedule, creativity. Yeah. That's what Lamar is. That's, that's, yeah. that's the evolution of... He's always been off schedule, but now, now he's just doing it consistently. And I love that kind of insight from Monk in there. I mean, one of the things, and you know this as a basketball coach, I don't know. When you, when you think about a point guard's role, 
vision and understanding where everybody is and having eyes in the back of your head and being able to time passes and, and spa- spatial awareness, certainly with the proper spacing on a floor, making sure that, you know, obviously you have guy on the, on each wing in the corner, you know, whatever your spacing has to be, you got to stretch the defense. I feel like as a point guard, when you have pressure up against you, it can be difficult to, that that impairs your vision. When, when a good defender is up in you, whether it's full court, half court, whatever. Lamar is so immune to pressure at times in big situations in the pocket that when I think about him as, as a point guard or seeing the field, I get even more mesmerized because it is. It's almost like he's immune to the pressure in these 300-plus pound defensive ends and outside linebackers that are coming at him every which way. And the fact that he's able to show such poise and see the field and then be able to make spontaneous, high-pressure decisions at moments notice, like the Zay touchdown, it just speaks to his greatness. That one was awesome. I wish that we had time. I wanted to bring in Dan Orlovsky breaking that up, that play down that Munkin's referring to about he was just like, you can't execute it any better than this. That one was awesome. The other thing that I liked seeing, there was a lot of off-schedule stuff. Remember when we spoke to Steve Young, when I asked him, like, what can Lamar do better? And we were talking. I said, one thing I'd like to see is more stuff on schedule. Yeah. And the one... Only because it's like on schedule stuff is the layup stuff, right? There's nothing wrong with yeah. like let's let's like make some layups that we're not always like doing the fadeaway shot or like trying to dunk over five people or you know that kind of thing. But uh, where I liked where I like seeing it, and I want to see even more of it, was there was an um, a route, uh, an out route by Bateman towards the sidelines, and Lamar had pressure coming to him. And when he threw the ball, Bobby, not only was Bateman not looking, but he hadn't turned the corner yet. He hadn't turned to, to, to make his out route. And it was one of those anticipation throws. I was watching um, quarterback school. He was like, A-plus world-class play right here. Just A-plus world-class with the anticipation, the pressure, the trust, uh, everything. And that's the type of stuff that it's like, what Munkin's referring to, like or what you're referring to is this, this point guard stuff where you almost see things before they happen. So he, what Munkin's referring to on that play is like seeing what happened to safety, going to, going, going to a route where Munkin says we hadn't even thrown it there yet, you know, but Lamar saw it. And then, so with Bateman, he, he showed the trust and he saw where the ball needed to be with pressure in his face before he was open, before it was there. That's the type of type of stuff I love to see. Let me see those anticipation throws, and that's just going to be Lamar getting better and better. Makes me think about a few weeks ago. We I think we singled out a couple plays that Matthew Stafford had made as well, where his receivers weren't even looking to, but there's such a trust level and mm-hmm. there's such a pinpoint yep. accuracy in the route and the play itself that yeah, you just trust your gut, trust your arm, trust your teammate, and let the rest play out the way it will. Here's the way the injury report's playing out for week 17 and Thursday's practice report. Jalen Armour Davis, you're seeing a bunch of a bunch of guys, obviously, first and foremost. This is a big list for the audio only. Two, four, six, eight, 10, 12 players. Some notable ones. Kevin Zeitler, who missed Wednesday with a knee quad designation. He was limited on Thursday, so a step in the right direction for him. Broderick Washington with an elbow. Uh, he was a full participant after being limited 
on Wednesday. Jordan Stout's been limited all week long so far with a back. Brandon Stevens was a DNP. Uh, he wasn't designated on Wednesday, Sarah. Does that mean he just straight up missed it? Or just uh, was it, it a, a rest day, have, maybe? It, it, no, it means that he didn't have an injury the day before. He didn't miss oh, the I'm day sorry. before. Okay. I'm so sorry. it's you, possible. Yeah, it's possible that he injured his ankle in that practice. Okay, I'm sorry. So, yeah, right. So, meaning yeah. Wednesday, he was a full participant. No issues. Correct. Correct. Gotcha. And no and no injury. Gotcha. Roquan yeah. Smith and PQ were both limited with pectoral and shoulder setbacks, respectively, on Wednesday. No, they, and then they were yes. both full participants on Thursday. We'll get to sorry, what Roquan had to tell reporters. No, you're good. You're good. I should have led with that. Um, <laughs> Roquan spoke with reporters in just a bit and gave another classic line in terms of what his status should be this upcoming weekend. Don't worry. Spoiler alert. Delshawn Phillips, he was a DNP with a shoulder. Patrick McCary's dealing with a concussion this week, so he's been limited back-to-back days. Arthur Mollett has been limited this week uh, with a knee, as has Kyle Hamilton as of Thursday. Remember, he was a DNP on Wednesday. More on him in just a bit because he is a warrior. So he was limited on Thursday. And then two DNPs, one specifically to, to monitor, is Zay Flowers with a calf. He's been a DNP, Sarah, all week long. You kind of hinted earlier on, on Thursday's morning vault that that's something that you wanted to watch. We're going to be watching it even closer going into the weekend. And Jalen Armour Davis with a concussion. He was a DNP on Thursday after being limited on Wednesday. So here are some other – well, we'll get to the Miami situation in just a bit. But, Sarah, Kyle Hamilton, are you kidding me? I mean, is this guy like immortal or what? Uh, I'm I Maybe, and I'm grateful for it. So, yeah, him returning, great news. He, he, he said in the locker room – oh, we'll get to his. He's, he, I'll let him speak for himself. Kevin Zeitler being back is huge. Uh, but, yeah, I think the Zay Flowers – Two days in a row, something to monitor. And that, like we said, Brandon Stevens, it's weird that, you know, no injury on Wednesday and then shows up on Thursday. So something could have happened in practice or, or who knows what. Um, so, yeah, Friday, we're going to want to take a look at that report and see where, where these guys are at. All right, here's Kyle Hamilton, courtesy of Fox 45. Uh, it's day by day. I'm still evaluating, you know, short week. Um, got a day less to kind of evaluate everything, but, I mean, um, do everything I can to make it to the game. All right. As for Roquan Smith, like we mentioned, he was a full part. Uh, I'm sorry. He was limited on Wednesday by a pectoral injury. He said he is ready to go. That's what he told reporters. Yeah. I just told you though, that Roquan was a full participant on Thursday after being limited on Wednesday. Kyle Barber tweeted out, um, on how he's feeling Roquan's answer. You see me out there at practice. I'm feeling good, baby. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see you then. I guess we'll see you on Sunday then for New Year's see Eve. See you at Sunday. See you at Sunday. So um, Kyle Hamilton, he, you know, him describing himself as day-to-day is something that Harbaugh always wants them to say, for sure. Uh, I get the feeling Kyle, ha- Kyle Hamilton's going to play. That's, that's my prediction. That's my prediction. I do, too. I do, too. Here's a look at the Miami situation. We talked about this in our game preview episode, which is now available with former Baltimore Sun Ravens beat writer Daniel Oyofusi, who's now writing for the Miami Herald. Got a great gig down in South Florida doing good work for the Dolphins. So go check that out if you haven't already. During that recording, we learned from Adam Schefter that Jalen Waddell is not expected to go. So that's a big deal. Um, And Sarah, if you wouldn't mind toggling back. Yeah. So 
it's a big list for them as well, all of which is on Thursday. The big news is that is that, you know, like I just said, it's Waddle. Waddle. Yeah. Other than that, you know, other than that, these uh, the majority of their list has been limited. Raheem Mostert mm-hmm. is a player to watch. He's been DNP all week long at the running back position with a knee but ankle Daniel, designation. Daniel said he's probably going to play though. So he did. He did. Yeah. And, and two was good to go. He's been limited this mm-hmm. week with a left thumb slash quad designation. Again, it's week 17. All these guys, you, you could have 53 players on each one of these. Yeah. I'm sure with a designation of some sort. So just so that we're being thorough, though, that's the Miami situation as of right now. And we wanted to share with you a quick update, too, while we're at it on Keaton Mitchell, who looks like he is on the other side of surgery, Sarah. Yeah, so it looks like his um, girlfriend uh, tweeted out or Instagrammed a story of him having surgery on Thursday. So going in there, and um, we wish him all the best. Uh, I'm guessing it went well, but we'll, we'll wait to see. I'm sure he'll update it. But, uh, man, can't wait to get that guy back, back hopefully early next season because as we, we learned from Harbaugh, it was a pretty clean um, – ACL, not too much other damage. So hopefully he can get back sooner than later. Yeah, echo that for sure. I don't know how this is still a thing as we transition to quick hits, but <laughs> Marquise Brown somehow is still coming up in the news as it pertains to his his tenure with the Ravens. And so uh, he was on, a, a, looks to be, I think it's a TikTok podcast maybe. I think it's it the is. Next it's Network called- if I'm not mistaken. Correct. The next that network. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it is, so anyway. it is more TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple clips. We shorten it up. The full, the full clip comes from uh, a young reporter here, Josh Berman at Josh underscore Berman one, two, three. So you can go check it out in full if you'd like. I shorten well, it up. He's on that show. He's right. one of the, co- he's one of the hosts. Yeah. One of, one of the hosts. These are young, young boy. I mean, I, I, I say this respectfully. Young, young boys, uh, just starting out their careers. Looks like I think they have a pretty big presence on TikTok. I don't know a lot about them, but certainly tip my cap to them for getting Marquise on the show. And uh, here's part of that conversation. Just looking back at John Harbaugh's philosophy when it comes to offensive coordinator selections, and then they get to, of course, the infamous. Soldier tweet from back in the day. So it's, 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 it's Harbaugh, you know, Harbaugh has a philosophy of how he want to play football. He right. go out and get the coaches that matches his philosophy that how he wanted to play football. And then the coaches execute that philosophy. So it's like Harbaugh don't really call the plays or got no input on the plays. He just trusts the guys he brought in for that philosophy. Right. But now they had to change that philosophy because they realized that shit wasn't working. No, it was bad. But like, if I'm a man... And this is how I call my offense, and this is how I view, you know, how I'm going to win playing offense. I don't like how they, like, let the receivers take all the heat. So that's why I was always, like, outspoken. I would be in the receiver room, even with Lamar. And I'd be, when I made that tweet, when I made that tweet, right? I'm oh, driving, I know. Exactly. Let me it's tell y'all. Let me tell y'all. I'm driving the car with Lamar. I'm like, hey, bro, should I made this tweet? Like, <laughs> be like, shit, go ahead. Like, something got happened. So I'm like, I right, bet. I made it to you. I'm a rookie. Like, I'm made it to you. I don't care about no tweet. Were you a rookie or was it second year? Was it my, yeah, it was my second year. My, I yeah, it was versus Steelers. Yeah, versus Steelers. I made it tweet, and I ain't think nothing of it. And then everybody went to, like, calling my phone. So I'm like, all right, I took it down. But then oh. everybody went to, like, taking that on me. I'm like, hey, bro, like, 
ain't the only one feel like this, but you feel me? It was just, I didn't like how they handled it. Like, I rather them say, this our philosophy, like, and we all just play football and try to win, but don't try to make it seem like it's on the receivers. So a lot of that we had already kind of heard about. New information in terms of Lamar endorsing that tweet for sure. Yeah, which is, so there's two reasons why I pulled this in. It's because one, that apparently Lamar approved it, you know, before it went out. So, uh, you know, doesn't seem like Lamar was either in, either Lamar wasn't in complete disagreement or he wasn't going to tell people what to tweet. And he's like, you know, go ahead, you know. And it's not a surprise, Um, right? Like, obviously we knew that Lamar felt that way. We just didn't know that it would have been an approval. We had a hunch that Lamar may have felt that way. Well, we've seen from the whole offseason and and like everything that yeah they're they're they've changed everything and I'm sure that was in part during contract negotiations that you know you know Lamar probably wanted to throw more. We know that we know that he always says I want to throw more than I pass. The other thing, so that's one reason why I pulled it in. But we, you know it's not like pertinent to what's going on today. That's why we're making it a quick hit. Um, the second thing though is he said because the question was something like basically teed Marquise up to kind of like dunk on uh, Greg Roman. And so he's like, well, but Greg Roman runs what he runs. That's what he's good at. And so he was like, Harbaugh brings in people that match his philosophy. And so I remember before Roman was let go, I remember on Twitter, I was responding to somebody because they were all like, you know, let him go, let him go, let him go. And I was like, okay, but just so you know, Nothing's gonna change if if it's Harbaugh's philosophy that doesn't change, and I remember I remember replying that to somebody, and and a few people had retweeted that, um, and so that is uh, that has, and it's not just Harbaugh. It is Harbaugh, but it's more than that. I've said I've told this story a million times of the scout coming up to me when we were you know before yeah. Lamar Jackson. It was like oh he does Joe Flacco doesn't need, you know, these big receivers, big time receivers. It just has not been, I feel like organizationally, including Harbaugh, including Ozzy, including Eric DeCosta, including everybody, it's been, this is the way they, they, they like to play football. So, um, but as Steve Young said, he's like, kudos to Harbaugh and the whole operation for changing your whole philosophy (laughs) that you've had for decades because, because you believe in Lamar and, and it's a good thing they did because it's paying off and it's a great transition to this quick hit because Rita over at 105.7 The Fan, a friend of the show, she tweeted uh, this week, as critical as we can be of Harbs, I think it's it's also important to praise him when when he deserves it too. Despite some head scratches this season, the players are still very in sync with him and vice versa. Beating so many teams over 500 is also reflective of the coaching staff. And I mean, Really, I mean, you think about it. How many people counted them out against Jacksonville? Then for sure against the 49ers. And and everybody was laser-focused. Everybody. Everybody's about on the same page. And it's just big, big, big wins. And I agree with Rita. You have to tip your cap to Harps. Agreed. Good stuff there, Rita. At the NFL Chick. Here is the Week 17 threads for the Ravens on Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock. Inside the bank, black on purple with a chance to clinch the number one seed. They've only worn this combination three times before. If you care about such things, and they're unbeaten at 3-0 and in such games, rocking that uniform combination. 
I think it's the Raven at Ravens uniforms Twitter account. If you want to go check out the rest of that, they're a good follow. If you like the whole fashion tweet of things, what is going on with the Kelsey brothers? Listen, you know, I brought this in just for you. It's just oh, for you. For yeah, this is for you. Well, just because sometimes I just have to, you know, make points, you know, so Cole Jackson tweeted both the Kelsey brothers. One said, I don't think people realize how big the bye week is. And Travis Kelsey said, holy, you know what? You want that bye. So I know you're you pulling do. for, I've I never argued pulling that. for a week 18. No, you're, yes, you, you're, a, you're afraid of winning too much. That's what that is. And I'm only bringing this in. I know they want it. <laughs> I know they want it. You're ridiculous. I know that you know that they want it, but for some reason, too many people are afraid of it. Let's go get it. Let's go get I'm it. Dead. Let's make e week. Let's make week eighteen irrelevant. Come on now. What is this? What is this? Oh man, come on! I thought I covered up that word too. I feel. I let me let me move this. Whatever. It's too late now. Anyway, I just thought this is funny. We ask people to tag us on stuff. It's the old Grim Reaper. Where it had the Grim Reaper has the the 49ers cap on, and they he spilled blood against the sea all these birds, the Seahawks, the Eagles, the Seahawks again, the Cardinals. Then he's knocking on the Ravens door, and then underneath it you have the same. Uh, you have an update. The, the Ravens door opens. Who is it? Lamar Jackson comes out, and the Grim, Grim Reaper says, "Oh, holy." you know what, and starts yeah. running away. So that I thought that was funny. It's more funny for the people who can see it than the, than yes. the audio people. So As always, in the audio-only <laughs> space, if you want to come hang out on YouTube or vice versa, in the audio-only space, we are available across all platforms. I did want to shout out, you just mentioned that I, that I kind of did a call to action to all of our folks, being that it's going to be so just overwhelming the next month or so with how much content there is, and it's already been an overload this week. Well, uh, Neil Cummings, Sarah, took it to heart, and in our email inbox at BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com, he has given us one, two, three, four, five, six clips of content. I don't know when we're going to get to this, being that this is the Friday morning vault and we don't have anything until Sunday's pregame show, but just know, Neil, you deserve a shout-out because you listened and I'm sure that we might be able to revisit that stuff in the future. But if not, keep it coming. You guys are the best. Uh, if you can be our eyes and ears, even more so on top of what we already do in the in the daily content gathering approach that we take to, to produce the show, it's going to go a long way for us. And hopefully it'll go a long way for you guys as well. Shout out to a couple of our returning patrons before we close, Alyssa Thomas and Douglas McLaughlin. We appreciate you both for believing in what we're building. If you're interested in doing the same, a great way to support us on the back end is by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast. All of that information can be found in the show notes. So you've got a birthday coming up this weekend. What do you have planned? What's going on? I do. You know what? It's a tradition, Bobby. I love this. So it better be happening. I haven't really discussed it with my family yet, but I love escape rooms. If it's sorry, if it's a tradition, there's no need to to discuss it. Right, right. Well, I'm assuming (laughs) we're going to do it then. That's why we haven't talked about it. But earlier in the day, we always, I love escape rooms and I love them more doing it with just my family because I love watching my kids work together with us. Yeah. So they're they're finally getting older. We've done a ton of escape rooms, just the six of us. And usually it's me and my husband's that's trying to carry all the weight, right? Which is just too much. It's just too much for two people to win. Yep. Well, last my last birthday was the first time that just the six of us 
want it. And I have to give a shout out to my two. I mean, all my kids were awesome. They were all engaged, but my two older boys, they're the oldest in the family. They really stepped up. I gotta tell you, man, Aiden, Aiden's following in my husband's footsteps. He's, he's, he's smart. He's smart, smart, smart. So, uh, so anyway, we're going to try to make it two years in a row. We beat the escape room. I'm sure we'll go out to dinner and do other stuff too. So yeah, I love, I love it. I love riddles. I love the challenge of it. You know, I always had to have, I have to have some sort of competition on my birthday. That's the way it's got to go down. Oh yeah. So it's no fun without it. (laughs) You are the ultra competitor. Absolutely. Like, I hope you guys have an awesome weekend. Shout out Aiden for being the guy, not only in the escape room strategizing, but also maybe future actor you got on your hands. I don't know. Oh, he's, he's hilarious. You might have a future actor. Well, he's, (laughs) he's doing what he can now. He's, he's, he, he loves the spotlight. I will tell you that. Shout out all four, all four, all six Ellison's. How about that? Here we go. And happy early birthday. Hope you have a great 44. Weekend. Let's go. Marlon Humphrey. 44. I wasn't going to say that. Go. I wasn't going to let you say that. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, have an awesome weekend. Thanks to everybody uh, for hey hanging with us in all of 2023. We're getting ready to go into a new year. New Year's Eve, 1 o'clock. Ravens, Dolphins, looking forward to it. I'll be at the Be More Around Town pregame show at 801 West Austin Street at the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday. So pop by if you want to. There's still tailgate passes available. It's awesome. There's axe throwing. There's golf simulators. There's exclusive bars and food and all kinds of stuff. And typically Ravens, legends of the game that Brian has connections with. Brian uh, Brian Snyder will pop by. So be on the lookout for who that might be this week. And then, of course, you and I probably around 5 o'clock or so will have our post-game show as we get you ready for New Year's Eve. And I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of festivities going on that night. So anyway, thanks to GEHA for sponsoring this episode. Thanks to you, partner. And thanks to all of you out there within our vault community. I'm Bobby Trossett signing off. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.